Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also have strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing, from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interviewing the experts to help you and your journey to success. This episode is sponsored by Bright Pearl. Bright Pearl is inviting you to discover how to win with automation at a series of free virtual events. These include a webinar with Spotify about exactly how to automate your orders and save yourself hours every week. And it's completely free. Discover more and sign up now at brightpearl.com forward slash life is short. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For those of you who haven't tuned in before, my name's Nick. I've been hosting the podcast for about a year. I realized the other day that we probably should have had a massive anniversary for this, so apologies. I'm not very uh, sentimental, um, as some of you, I think, know from listening to my own shopping and buying habits that we've, we've been through over the, uh, the last year or so. But what a journey it's been. Thoroughly loving it. And thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, for re- leaving us reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and everywhere else. It's been great to have you with us. And I highly recommend as well, go and check out our Facebook group. It's called Winning with Shopify. And there's a very specific reason I'm pointing out quite a lot at the moment. And that's because we've got a free webinar coming up in July. We're still trying to land some speakers. By the time this goes out, we might have a speaker or two on there. As it stands, I'm going to be sharing some really cool top tips. It's all going to be completely live, which also means there's an opportunity for live Q&A on there as well. For those of you tuned in earlier in the year, my colleague Byron is going to be on the webinar as well. For any of our clients, you've probably spoken to Byron or somebody in Byron's team several times as well. He really is an absolute expert on Shopify. So we'll definitely be there. We're just trying to nail a guest if we can. We've got a few people on the list, but we, as always, will only settle for the best. Today is... I forget exactly which part, if I'm honest, but today is the next episode in our series about the business side of running an e-commerce store or running a Shopify business. Next week, we've got something very, very exciting. We've got Ben Leonard back, who was here a few weeks ago and a few months ago before that as well. And Ben's going to be talking about how to exit a business. But this week, we're doing something very different. And to be completely honest, a guest cancelled on us last minute. And there was a really obvious topic that we thought would be great to talk on. So just before we dive into the topic itself, I want to introduce a very, very special guest. His name's Rob. He's part of my team here at Spec. He's one of my main account managers when it comes to uh, to the SEO side of things. So without further ado, Rob, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Nick. Thanks very much for having me. Very excited to be here. Good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, before we dive in, Rob, do you want to just give everybody a quick overview to yourself, like what you do within our team and how long you've been here and that sort of thing? Absolutely. Well, firstly, uh, long-time listener, first-time speaker, so very excited to be here today. My background is in e-com and lead gen, and we work SEO and PPC, driving sales, driving leads. Predominantly, I work within sort of 
B2B and B2C, but um, yeah, a bit of everything really. Awesome, awesome. And one of the reasons I brought Rob along today is because today's topic, as you guys will all know, because you've seen the title when you clicked play on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about what we think are the top seven things to help you manage your time and manage efficiency when running a business. And I have to be honest, Rob is is very much set a very, very high bar within our team at Spec. Oh, no, you're too kind. Too kind. <laughs> but he set a very, very high bar in terms of what, what is expected in terms of time management. I think although Rob and I work for a service side, you know, we are a, a consultancy, e-commerce stores bring us in. If anything, we have to be even more efficient with our time because time is money. In a lot of scenarios, we charge day rates. And if we fall behind on projects, that sort of thing, it has such a big, long knock-on effect. Absolutely. So the way we're going to structure the next sort of 30 to 45 minutes, we normally aim for 30 and finish at 60, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see how we go on. What we're going to be doing over the next, uh, however long it's going to be, up to an hour, Rob and I have got our top three points each as to what we think um, are the most important things, best way of managing your time, getting stuff done and moving things forward at all times. And then we've got a seventh one as well, which is a, a bit of a sort of brand company-wide point that we're going to make at the end as well, something we do. Bit of a Brucey bonus there at the end, yeah, just to wrap things up. Exactly. If this was a music gig, it would be the encore. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so without further ado, Rob, you're going to kick us off. What is your number? We're going to start at number three each. What's your number three? point on time management and efficiency when running an e-commerce store? So my number three would be what I would call the under 10 minute rule. And what I like to try and do is when I'm making my list of of tasks, I have a look at sort of roughly how long these tasks are going to take me. Any task that I think is going to be roughly under 10 minutes or around that sort of time, those are the ones that I'm going to attack first. And the reason behind that is that if, if I think that's the time it'll take me to make a cup of coffee, cup of tea, I can have a load of these tasks done immediately. Whereas I spend a bit more time thinking about those larger tasks, I might need to get other people involved, that sort of thing. If it's something that I can really kind of draw a line under, highlight it, it's like a real kind of quick, quick win, those are the ones that I am for first. And it's part of that sort of prioritizing your task list and trying to get those in a sort of a manageable order. So when I'm looking at my list, those are the ones that I'm going to pick out first. And that's not to everybody's taste. I'm sure I'm sure some people would disagree that they like to sort of take that time to tackle the bigger tasks first and to sort of get a bit of a run up at it. But that's that's my personal opinion that I like to take out those quick tasks first and foremost. I think certainly I I completely agree with with tackling some of those bits. I think I I'm definitely guilty of responding to emails in sort of under five or 10 minutes uh, when they arrive. So if anybody's emailed me recently and you haven't heard from me, I'm sorry that the door's probably closed. But um, yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. And I think we use a phrase a lot at spec, which is called front foot. And the concept is if you're going right the way back to the medieval times, if you're in battle in a sword fight, if you're on the back foot, you're off balance, you're going to be knocked over very, very quickly. If you're on the front foot, you've got full strength, you're centered to the ground. You know, anybody who does martial arts will know that you need to have a strong footing. Otherwise, as soon as something hits you, you're going to fall apart. And it's a, it's a very, very good analogy, I think, for uh, for time management. Yeah, I think email is a really good point as well, because some of those emails will pop in. And it's just, you know, it's one of the points that I'm going to talk about later, but just kind of keeping that conversation flowing. Can I just quickly note back to somebody and just say, you know, I've, I've spotted that. Thank you for letting me know. I'll get back to you later on. That's a quick kind of, I've dealt with that now. I can now move on to one of the bigger tasks and I can come back to that later. So essentially, I'm sort of breaking those tasks down a little bit. But 
yeah, you're quite right, Nick. Being on the front foot is absolutely vital. Always be sort of two moves ahead uh, for your chess fans out there. Sure. And I think, obviously, we work in a service-based business, but this, this applies massively to e-commerce. I think if you're running a business, um, which I do, well, I say a business, I have several. If I get behind on admin or something, I literally have to then block out like an entire day to catch up on it, which is really inefficient. So I, I have to do that from time to time. And I think when you're running an e-commerce store, if you don't respond to customer um, inquiries quickly, or um, if you've got a load of new products, you don't get them on the site quickly, those customers are waiting around for responses, which is really, really bad. And if you've listened to any podcast episodes, you know what that's going to do to your revenue. And, and with the products, if you don't put them on the site, they don't start selling and you've just got stock sitting around doing nothing. And so I think it's really, really important to make sure that stuff is, yeah, keep on the front foot of the things that you need to do. Yeah, definitely. Go on then, Nick, let's hear your uh, your top tip number three, working down. Cool. I mentioned to-do lists. I'm going to come on to that as my second point in a, in, in a few minutes' time. So yeah, just just hear me out because I've stopped actually calling them to-do lists as a little, uh, little carrot dangle early on. But yeah, my number three is um, if you haven't got a plan, you're just going to lose time all over the place. I, I've definitely been guilty of this. Yesterday alone, I had a thought of like, oh, I should set up a website that does this. And two hours later, I was well deep in web code and mm-hmm. kind of had this moment of, what the heck am I doing? I, I, run, I run an agency, a consultancy in PPC and SEO. I should be focusing on my clients. And it always that question of like, for me, it's always if I signed one more client or a couple more clients, how much more money would that make the business? Or if I got the, an absolutely killer staff member in, which delighted to say we've got a few new people joining the team in the near future and you know if if these guys are really really good how much more benefit is that on the business whereas yeah if I get distracted by these tiny little side projects during work time when I should be doing other stuff work's going to fall behind and the other ones I'm just wasting time and energy and headspace which when you run a business headspace is so important so I think make sure you've absolutely got a plan otherwise you're guaranteed to lose time you'll just get stuck into things and if you're anything like me as a business owner, there's a passion there. You know, you're passionate about these things. So you can get very emotional and very tucked into, oh, wow, I'm making this product page on my e-com store look absolutely brilliant. When actually, it's not really going to change much. You know, if the, if the cart of your website's broken, it doesn't matter what you do to the product page, no one can buy anything. So I think prioritizing things, like you said, Rob, is, is really, really key. But when you're setting the task, this is kind of part B of my point number three. When you're setting a task or where you, when you think, oh, I need to do that, my habit is to now make sure I add that to a Trello board. So I use Trello to manage my list of things, which I'm not going to call to-do list anymore, but my list of things is on Trello. But when I set or when I have the thought or the idea to do something, I make sure I add as much information as possible when I note that down, whether it's on a piece of paper or on Trello. Otherwise, there's a real danger that you'll see stuff on your list somewhere saying things like, I need to set up that new page, I need to call the accountant, I need to speak to such and such a lawyer, I need to respond to that customer, I need to buy some more products, whatever it might be. If it's just sitting there, it's just sitting there. The more information you add of like, how long should this take me? What are the steps to do it? The more of that you add, the easier my brain responds to actually doing that task. And I'll get through it much, much quicker. And so I think certainly noting that down and you should know this Rob because there's a guide on how to do it in spec but yeah certainly noting it down and saying like you know this is a like you were saying earlier Rob about time this is a 20 20 to 30 minute task there are four things I need to do within this there's two people I need to email at the end of it whack all that in it takes two seconds to do now it's on your list for later but when you get to it later you're now just doing you've done the thinking bit that's already been done when you had the idea Otherwise, you have to redo the thinking bit to catch up on what is this task and how does it, how, how do I need to do it? Definitely. 
Yeah, and it's helping your future self as well. The more information you can give at that point of thought, the the easier it is to pick it up later down the line because it's not always, you know, immediately I can get on with that task. So I think, yeah, I'd call that sort of helping your future self. And I completely agree, Nick, the sort of the planning to, you know, I, I always believe that if you, if you make a good plan and you stick to the plan, then the plan will succeed. And that's kind of a, a rule that I like to go by. So taking that extra bit of time to make sure that the plan is foolproof will certainly help you later down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you spoke as well, going back to kind of front foot, back foot. Back foot is where you're just reacting to your email inbox or to people shouting at you across the office or customer inquiries or orders coming in. There's always a level of being reactive and running a business. There are absolutely no two ways of getting about it, whatever part of that business you're in. But you can be proactive if you're like, this is what I'm doing today. This is what I'm doing tomorrow. Um, or I'll come on to my second point, actually a different way of phrasing that, which changes everything. But before that, Rob, what's your number two? What's number two on your list? Okay, here we go. So this is quite a cool one. I, I really like this. So this is delegation or automation. Love it. So this is where a task lands on your lap and you have to think to yourself, Am I the best person to take on this task? Should should I be sitting down and doing this? Can I delegate this to a member of staff or a colleague? Or is there possibly a tool that I can use to automate this? And this is kind of looking at repetitive tasks. We've all had them where, you know, it might be inventory update. You know, you might be updating some titles or some uh, SKUs or something like that. And you know that that happens a lot. So think to yourself, okay, this could take me sort of five, 10 minutes. I'm pretty good at it. I can kind of get through this. I've got sort of 100, 150 products, but I'm, I'm pretty fast at it now. But think in that time, you could spend maybe 20 minutes showing a colleague how to do it. And then the next time that comes through, they know exactly how to do it. They can pick it up immediately. You can rely on them. You can trust them. Maybe check it over the first time they do it just to make sure that it's to your standards. Actually, an interesting on that point, uh, something that Nick always said to me as well, was that sometimes you'll be working on things that you have that pride and you want it to be of your standards. And sometimes you'll look at somebody else's work and think, yeah, that's not quite how I would do it. But if it's getting the job done and it's getting the job done to a reasonable standard or above reasonable standard, go with it. You know, if you can keep the keep the ball moving, if you can keep the boat going faster, as Nick says, then absolutely go for it because the, it's for the greater good, you can keep things moving. So that's the sort of the part of the delegation. Am I the best person to be doing this task? Even if I can do it to a higher standard than everybody else, are there other members that could perhaps do this to uh, to a satisfactory level? I was just going to quickly touch on the automation side of things as well. And that was just that there's so, there's so many tools out there now that can support us in everything that we're trying to do, whatever the platform. I know we're specifically Shopify here, but there may be other listeners who have just stumbled across us today. But there are so many tools out there to help automate our day-to-day -day tasks, those sort of monotonous tasks that we, we we reach almost every week or every day, perhaps. So do go and have a look and just see, is there a quicker way of me doing this? Uh, you know, Am I wasting time by me sitting down for you know, 10, 20 minutes every day doing this, if there's a tool out there that can sort of make my life a bit easier. Automation. If you're running a Shopify store and you're getting a, a few hundred orders a day or a week sort of thing and looking after the warehouse is getting a bit of a faff and you've got customer service coming out your ears, go back and listen to our series from May. Um, we've had Bright Pearl sponsoring the podcast quite a bit, not because they offered us money, but actually because they are a very, very good partner. We, we turn away probably three or four sponsors a week, if I'm honest, for this. Bright Pearl is a very, very good tool. And I've learned more about it in interviewing Bright Pearl customers and Bright Pearl themselves about the tool. But Bright Pearl is one of lots of tools that can manage inventory, forecasting stock. It can manage customers. If something's going to be delivered slightly late, the customer's in the loop. If your delivery time is five days and everybody else's is one day, you can still cut through the noise by having a 
your order has been packaged and is waiting to be dispatched. And a day later saying it's now been dispatched and a couple of days later saying it's going to arrive in a day or two. And just keeping the customer in the loop. And I think Brightpile is a great tool for that and it automates a lot of things. There's certainly, I think it was the third week of May, I highly recommend that episode where some guys had gone from a website in 1995 or 98 or something right the way through and they're still trading today on Shopify, just hearing that journey. But okay, so delegation. I tune in a lot to Tony Robbins. If you've not heard of Tony Robbins, Google him, watch some of his YouTube videos, tune in some of his audio books. He's an absolute guru of just get stuff done, how to focus your whole life, your mind. So my point number two is that I listened to one of his audiobooks recently. It's about 10, 10 or 15 years old. So it's not new by any means. But he said, get rid of to-do lists. To-do lists are just for machines. You're just doing, doing, doing. And the, the clue's in the name. It's a to-do list. So it's things that you need to do. Whereas if you turn it on its head and say, actually, it's a list of things that I need to get done, or better than that, a list of goals, which changes everything. It completely changes your thinking on how to manage time and what to do all day. Because if you're sitting there going, oh, we, we should go through the privacy page on our website with a lawyer and make it better. Well, go back to your goals. Your goal is to grow the business, it's to gain customers, it's to sell products. Is updating your privacy page actually going to help or not? Rob, we, we have so much of this with our clients at Spec, don't we? Where they're like, guys, we're going to redesign this page. And we're sort of like, yeah. okay, that could look really cool, but why? You're never going to be number one on Google for the keywords of that page, but you are on some other ones over here. So if we've got some design time, can we focus it on the things that are going to actually make you money? Yeah. Um, and Rob mentioned the boat. I'm always, I mean, I'm ignoring if I should reference other people, but Team GB from the Olympics, there was a consultancy that worked with them. And they wrote a book after that called Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? Which we've adopted as a bit of a mantra. We, you know, a couple of us have read the book in the business. We absolutely love it. And it just says, focus on the goals. So when you're writing a list of things to do, if you go through that list and go, right, which ones of these are goals that actually this thing's not going to help me get to the goal? Which ones of them, as Rob says, should I delegate? Should I automate, et cetera? And then which ones should I spend my time on? What you want to end up with over, over time is your to-do list, and guessing most people listening are the business owners, et cetera, you want to work out what your strengths are and play to those. It's easy for employees because you hire people who are good at finance, are good at social media, good at SEO. It's clear what they're supposed to be doing all day. But for a business owner, if you don't enjoy writing content, well, hire someone to write content so you can go and do other things that you do enjoy or are good at, or ideally both. So in my business, I'm really, really bad at detail and getting pedantic on this and that and the other, but I'm really good at strategy and I thoroughly love strategy. So my involvement in a lot of our clients is the more strategic, are we going in the right direction? Are the results looking good enough? And then I might end up doing a bit of content writing or doing a bit of a UX exercise on somebody's site. And bear in mind, these things are so far out of PPC and SEO, but those are my strengths. I mean, I absolutely love talking. I love presenting. Hence why I'm here right now, why I run this podcast. So in terms of my time management, I look at things that I'm good at. And actually, this podcast generates lots of business for us. It generates lots of awareness. It actually gives me some happiness, which is also an important part of all of this. And it also gives me something to tell some of our bigger clients. By the way, we run a Shopify podcast. And if they're a Shopify client that we're trying to sign, well, we've just ticked a massive box that most agencies won't, or it's a huge USP. So I, I think turning a to-do list on its head and going completely big picture and just going, okay, the forget the to-do list, my goals list, and then the actions against goals. So it's not things that I need to do. It's things that I want to do to get to my goals now, which is a completely different way of thinking of the to-do list. 
Definitely. It, it, it becomes less of a chore then. It becomes more of a, yeah, a strategy, basically. I'm kind of looking at the bigger picture, which is a much more excitable thing to do than sort of looking at it as a list of chores. Like, oh, I've got to do that. And then I've got to do that again. You know, cl clear your mind space and, and kind of by visualizing it with a list, you know, a, a goals list as such, that will help you delegate, automate, find where your time is best spent. And yeah, as Nick said, you know, love it, enjoy it do what you do what you do best which is running businesses absolutely absolutely what what's your number one rob we've made it to the top of the list so my number one and this is something that i absolutely live by and that's managing comms so that's whether that's internal or external comms making sure that you are touching base keeping everybody updated making sure that everybody knows where you are or not necessarily where you are physically but where you are with a project or where you are with a process and just making sure that everybody is on the same wavelength at all times Things aren't going to go smoothly all the time, but if you've got that communication going, it's going to help, you know, eliminate any errors or mitigate any risk, all of that kind of stuff. So communication is absolutely key. So, you know, that could start with perhaps organizing your email inbox. Have you got folders for, for specific suppliers or specific members of your team that you can sort of drop them into, or perhaps you're using smart mailboxes so that it just pings up in the folder immediately. That's the start, you know, having an organized area for where your comms exist just so that you know where you need to pick things up from or where to look when there's something going on as nick mentioned we use a lot of trello so notifications pop in there i've also set up email notifications to come through to me as well as somebody mentions my name on trello just so i've got that real quick notification coming through so i can make sure that it's delegated or acted upon so yeah that's my number one is comms making sure you've got good comms managing your comms yeah super important for me completely agree i mean I wasn't going to mention too much today, but I am starting a blog at the moment and it's going to be a very sarcastic, tongue-in-cheek, me just reflecting on things that go really well or really badly in my world uh, of marketing. Um, and actually the thing that prompted me to start that, and I might mention it in a few weeks or months when it's uh, officially up and running and there's a bit of content on there, but the biggest thing that prompted me to start was actually the account management element of both clients and agencies that we, we partner with. So sometimes we'll be working with a client. Sometimes it will just be us, which is very, very rare. Normally there's a web agency and, every, and loads of other people on board uh, doing PR and yeah. all the rest of it. Design. Design, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Content, all the rest of it. So we all need to communicate really, really well. So if you've got bad, what I would call account management, either at the client side or at the agency side or anywhere else, it's going to fall apart. So we've seen it time and time again where agencies have fallen out. We've ended up getting dragged in the middle of it. And I've got three scenarios like that right now where <laughs> I've been introduced to a client through a web agency. The client now wants to fire the web agency a year or two later because they're not getting enough done. They really like and value our opinion. That, that's good account management. We don't always get it right. There, there, is, there are clients that are perfect clients, just not for us. Yeah. But I do I, I totally, totally echo what you've just said, Rob. I think communication is so, so clear. Which leads me on to my number one. Here we go. I've changed this since Rob and I made our notes about an hour ago for what we're <laughs> going to say on this podcast. I was actually going to say, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And I thought it's a bit cliche. Something else that's come up while we've been talking, Rob, that I think I'm going to put forward as my number one is process. Okay. Processes have the ability to remove things that we've covered so far, which is why I'm going to put it as my number one. A good process will remove communication problems because you don't need to communicate anymore. It's completely, it's the process. You know where you fit in the chain or what happens when there's a, maybe some piece of technology on, you know, web application or something that says, you now need to do this, do this, do this. Bright Pearl 
has it gives you a good process of how to manage your business, etc., mm. um, or manage the orders. You know, everything sort of post sale. I think a good process internally means that you can find the right staff to hire, which is something I I feel like we've got an amazing team here at Spec, and I feel like one thing we've put a lot of time and energy into is what do we look for when we hire and. You might be surprised to hear we don't look for people with the skills in what we do. Yeah, It's not actually the most important thing to us. All of that can be taught. What we're interested in is people's personality, their communication skills, what kind of culture they are. We've got quite a mix of cultures in the business itself. But, but it's a case of will somebody come in and be a positive, you know, another attribute in the, in the team, another asset for, for the team to, to lean on and use whether you're a junior or you're super experienced. And so I think, mm. as I say, I think processes are so important. And I, I would recommend across your business, have a look at your to-do lists or your, your get-done lists, as, as I recommend calling them. Um, have a look at your lists of whatever and go, how much this could be solved by simple processes, which then comes back to Rob's point on delegation automation. It also comes back to the, you know, when you're setting tasks, et cetera. It's like, oh, I set the same task every Monday, <laughs> you know, Every single flipping Monday, I sit there and I set the same task of going, send invoices to clients or pay invoices to my suppliers or add new products to the website. Okay, now build a process where it doesn't need to go on a list anywhere. It just happens. Or even better, like Rob said, it's automated. As soon as a product arrives in your warehouse, it automatically feeds into the website. One of your team sees it, adds data to it. It's live within a week. So you're not sitting on stock that's costing you money in the warehouse and you've bought and haven't sold yet, et cetera. So I would, I would look at your lists and go, what can I turn into a process that is a good process and therefore cannot, cannot falter, cannot fail? Yeah, I think that's a great last minute change there, Nick. You definitely pulled it out of the bag. Processes, <laughs> I, 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 I love a process. I think we've spent a long time sort of getting processes right and making sure that, you know, as you said, every part of that chain is, is accounted for and everyone knows what's going on at every, any given moment. And that's a great time saver because when, when those sort of those tasks that you're so used to getting come along, all, all of that sort of thinking time has gone because you know exactly where it needs to go. You know exactly what the process is. And it just, yeah, it makes everyone's lives a lot easier. So yeah, absolute great call on that, Nick. Processes are the one. So just, uh, just before we go on to our bonus one at the end, which honestly is, is head and shoulders above the rest, I think. Just we're going to that, Rob, you've had a few clients over the last few months. Just on this note of process, you've had a few clients over the last few months, e-commerce stores, and they've had one particular problem, which is thousands and thousands of products, not only to add to the website, but also to categorize within the website and then write good SEO, title tags, meta descriptions, product copy, et cetera. That's a problem I think most people on this podcast will be facing either today, tomorrow, at some point, or on a regular basis. As a bit of fruit, give us, give us a couple of the top processes that you and, you and that particular client of Specs have put in place to see that through smoothly, but equally getting to a really, really good result without somebody sitting there having to manually write tons and tons of content. <laughs> yeah, so we, we love working collaboratively in, in, in documents. So if, the, if there's something that's content related or if it's, uh, you know, SKUs or bulk uploads or something like that, there's usually three or four people collaborating in a document. We immediately we find this is a great way because we can leave notes for each other just to kind of in, those in-between cons where we might not have time for a call or we don't need a call. It's just to kind of give an update of where we are with something or have you seen this? Have you noticed that? So Collaborating on documents is a great way to help build processes. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's definitely a, a marathon rather than a sprint. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. But Nick's quite right. It, it's all part of, as we said, that process. So 
outlining all of the tasks that, are, that lead to whatever the goal is. So say, for example, as, as he mentioned, you've got thousands of products that need to go up. They all need new descriptions. They all need new SKUs added or the URLs changed or something like that. So we then need to break down those tasks and say, okay, logistically, what are the steps that we're going to have to go through to achieve this? You then start breaking those down into who's going to do it, how are they going to do it? When are they going to do it? And you start to get timings and you start to get other members of staff involved. So trying to get essentially everything that we've spoken about today, you know, whether you're on a Trello board, tracking progresses, setting times, sending links across via comms, all of that kind of stuff builds towards it. So essentially, you've got that plan, you've broken it down via goals, and you're working towards that end goal. And you've set that plan, you'll stick to the plan, and you will achieve it. So that's kind of the broad, I could probably spend another half an hour on how we do it on the absolute fine detail. But that's that's you would do if this was a client call wouldn't you (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely the only thing that was uh that that you didn't include there that actually i thought was brilliant as well as all those bits is because of the the mass volume of them we built some like formulas didn't we to actually write a lot of that content for us to sort of say there's five thousand products we wrote a formula for mess descriptions as a let's just put these up on the site so they're up there and then let's see if these products sell out really quickly. There's no point putting lots of time into them. If they don't, at a later stage, you might go through and write those mess descriptions manually. And I think the other thing is just clear roles and responsibilities. You know, we, we're updating our branding at the moment. And one thing that's come out is that we don't ask the sort of specific questions, but we quite organically do a bit of a, what I would call a resource evaluation is finding out what resources does this client have already? So we're talking like day one onboarding. They say, yeah, we want to go ahead with you guys. You seem like a good company. And we say, yeah, you seem like a good good business. We want to take you on as a client, et cetera. Look, having a look and going, right, have they got a copywriter, a content writer? If not, but we know lots of copies going to need to get written. Well, let's agree there and then whose role and responsibility that is, or if that is a gap in the process, which then means in terms of time management, we're not going to waste months of time not optimizing content and then we're also not going to waste hours and hours and hours of the wrong person's time writing content later on at the last minute it's inefficient for everybody so i think making sure roles and responsibilities are clear as well but the bonus point so we've gone down our top three the bonus point at the end and you probably can kind of guess this one by now with everything we've been saying once you start to build processes and find a good way of managing your time and managing your lists of things you want to get done not to-do lists um, but your, your goals list or your get it done list, as, uh, as Tony Robbins calls it. One thing that's been really beneficial at spec and really eye opening, actually, to new team members is that we've now unified the way that we work. There's still a lot of flexibility in it. You know, Rob will be doing something completely different all day to me. However, if I want to set Rob something to do or there's something that needs to get done and I'm assigning it to Rob or vice versa, Rob needs me to get involved in something. We all know internally that if it's a quick thing, drop a quick Slack message through. If it's not a quick thing and it involves multiple people, put something on Trello to agree a time where we can all have a quick chat about it. If it's just between two people and it's just the task that needs to get done and somebody knows it exists, they're just waiting for the detail. We know to put it on Trello and put in the title on Trello, how long this is going to take, the brief of everything that needs to get done, Anything else that's popped up and a deadline says a rough idea of, okay, Rob, I need you to do this. Can you get this done by whatever time? I'm estimating it's going to take an hour. By having that unified process, Rob can very quickly look at it and go, Nick, you've said one hour. That is not a one hour job. That's going to take me three or four. And he can respond to me on Trello and I can say, ah, have you noticed that we can use this tool to do it or do it this way? And Rob will go, oh, I missed that, or actually, I still think it's going to be too long and change the deadline, or go, actually, yeah, that's a very valid point. We can do it that way. 
that would speed things up. I'll get that done sort of thing. So you see how it's so, so quick. I've probably spent less than two minutes receiving an email from a client, setting up a task, having a quick conversation if I need to on Trello. But the most important thing is I've sent those messages to Rob on Trello and Rob's done the same. When each of us has a minute or two free to quickly catch up on comms between other things we're doing, rather than being interrupted or putting loads of time aside where we both have to be aligned at the same time. So it's super efficient. Everybody knows what's expected. Nobody would ignore it because everybody knows to have those certain systems like Slack and Trello open at all times and they know how we do them. So then when new team members have come in, we, we always assign a new person with a mentor now. And somebody might say to their mentor, oh, Nick, the owner of the business has asked me to do this and I'm terrified. I don't want to mess this up. You know, like he's my boss. And they'll say, oh, don't worry. This is how the process works. This is what it is. Send it to me first. I'll check it. We'll get it across to Nick. So we're not wasting any of Nick's time. That person's learned something and is never going to need to ask any of those questions again. And the mentor is doing exactly what the mentor's there to do. And there's an allocated time to do stuff like that. So it's all super efficient. What are your thoughts, Rob? Of course, you work in the team as well. Very different side of things to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think there was actually a point that I was going to touch on back when I was talking about the comms. And that was a stickler for putting in a call for, say, half an hour, 45 minutes, where really it could probably take 10 minutes perhaps around the other way, you know, sometimes I'll put in a call for 10, 20 minutes, and actually, it needs an hour. So I think trying to have a look at at the time that you're allocating to, to communicate, and just checking if that is the right amount of time that you're giving. So, you know, a few years back, I would always put in an hour call, whether it was needed or not, because we would just, we would cut off short if we needed to, or if we needed to, we could run on longer. But I'm now allocating that time into my diary where I'm looking at an hour gone out of my day, where really, if it could be dealt with via an email or a Slack message or a Trello, you know, Trello board, Trello card, then that's saving a huge amount of time because I can do it in between my tasks. You know, I I can put one project down and then pick up a quick message, message back and then jump onto the next one while I wait for the response, rather than, as Nick said, trying to align everybody's diaries to sit down for half an hour when we could have just had a couple of emails forwards and backwards to have dealt with it. that's not always the case. Sometimes, you know, uh, the, the call is better than an email because you might certain things with tone of voice that you can't get across or, you know, you just want to have a catch up briefly with the client or, or the customer just to make sure that everything's OK. You know, having that personal touch, which goes a really long way, as I'm sure you all know. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Rob. Really appreciate you joining the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you. And yeah, I hope it's been useful for everybody. As I say, we had somebody cancel last minute thought, what's another thing to talk about within this kind of business sphere? And as soon as somebody said, what about time management? It's like, yes, huge topic, affects everybody, whatever line of work you're in. This is such a big thing to, uh, to go through. I hope we've been useful today. I hope we've shared some really good top tips. As I say, next week really is digging right down at the bottom of the mine and we're going to find the diamonds and the gold. Next week, we're going to have Ben back and we're going to be talking about exiting a business. I'm very, very excited. For anyone who didn't tune into any of the other stuff before with Ben, Ben was the founder of Beast Gear. And then he exited it several years ago and he's now running his own business. I'm fairly sure it's called Ecom Brokers. If not, it'd be the first thing we talk about next week is where to find him. But he's now helping other businesses sort of, uh, or specifically Shopify businesses, grow and then sell and exit eventually as well. So finding sellers, how to position the business properly, how to run it efficiently, et cetera. So super excited about that. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Back again next Friday. And apologies that we missed a couple of weeks ago. We've uh, had a little bit of a backlog when it comes to both guests and edits. But um, we've got plenty in the diary coming up in the next few months. So thanks again for listening. Back next week. And um, I hope you're staying safe. 
Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.